almost seven years old. Welcome to Hand of Pod. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to episode 272 of Hand of Pod, which next week we'll be celebrating 7th birthday. I think it's on Monday, but we'll be recording on Wednesday probably as usual. I'm Sam Kelly and you're listening to me and also this week to the dulcet tones of Andres Bruckner. Hello Sam. How are you Andres? Thanks for the invitation and uh, I am realising that uh, I have only 31 years old older than than Hanapod. There we go. So it's it's Sorry. very significantly aged already. Yes. If it were a child it would be um possibly quite tall and you know already it's, 2 years into school. It's incredible. It's, uh, there's a a, a a term that we usually uh, use to to mark to, to remark something when when a, a kid is is growing up that that is that. Well, Babies grow, grow up, and uh, in this case, it's just the exact way to say it. Because perhaps uh, you you never imagined or never never uh, thought that uh, what started as a well as a podcast, but you perhaps didn't know how long it will be. And now seven years is a big figure. And yeah, when we started recording, I didn't even know whether I'd still be living yes. in Argentina for se- in seven years' time. But here we are. Um, anyway, we'll, we'll so go into the, uh, in advance. Thank you. <laughs> we will we'll get all emotional and stuff next week, yeah. as, as we do every year, of course, uh, on our anniversary. But this week, uh, we've got some, well, for us too, at least, for River Sympathisers, some slightly less happy stuff to talk about, uh, because we have to go through the weekend of fixtures. And it was a weekend in which a what had started out really as a pretty bad week, or let's say a hand of pod week running from Wednesday to Wednesday. Um, if I could erase, if if River supporters, me included, could erase this week, uh, that would be fabulous because in terms of football and the results, uh, uh, I think it was the worst week in in I know if six years perhaps because uh, after the the relegation to the National B and the perhaps coming back to the first division, yeah. then there there were some years in which. Uh, the only thing we talked about was success, and now uh, we are in the other, perhaps, in the other walkway, or how do you say, it? In, in the other. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I think the yeah, the, the other sort of path is probably a better way of putting it. The, the, the English would be the other extreme, but I think that that's a bit much, given that yes. we're very much not talking about River being involved in another relegation battle. Uh, but it, it could. It could feel a little bit like that. We will get into exactly why um, soon. Listeners who who heard last week's episode will, of course, be aware um, that Reber went 2-0 up on the night, 3-0 up on aggregate, away to Lanús last Wednesday night. Um, Last week's episode, of course, was recorded on Thursday afternoon with me and Dan. Um, 
and then ended up losing 4-2 on the night to Lanús to go out of the Copa Libertadores in the semi-final stage. Um, and the results from the weekend just gone in the Superliga were as follows. Chacarita Juniors got their first win of the season, 2-0 at home to Gimnasia. Godoy Cruz beat Huracán 2-1. Colón and San Martín served up a pantirazo on Saturday afternoon, drawing 3-3 in Santa Fe. Lanús lost 2-0 at home to Olimpo. Didn't see that one coming, whether or not Lanús have fielded their reserve sides. Um, San Lorenzo lost 1-0 at home to Banfield in a pretty tight match. We'll go into, uh, if you can remember at least, what what, uh, Mariano was telling us on Saturday night when we met up. Uh, We will go into his thoughts then. Rosario Central lost also 1-0 at home to Atletico Tucumán. Racing and Tacheres drew 1-1 on Saturday night. And then on Sunday... uh, morning or either side of midday because the first half was in the morning and the second half was in the afternoon Tempele lost 4-1 at home to Defensa y Justicia Estudiantes beat Argentinos 1-0 in Quilmes Uh, they're still playing in Quilmes for some reason I'm not really sure why they've been outside La Plata for such a long time but they have Belgrano and Independiente drew 0-0 in Córdoba River lost 2-1 at home to Boca Juniors in and this is the first time that this has happened for as long as I've been following Argentine football. It feels astonishing to say it, but in the third consecutive really entertaining Super Clásico, regardless of the results, three yeah. three in a row now. That as as we used to say, perhaps, uh, uh, very often it was an entertaining Super Clásico, not because of the quality, but because of the changing yeah. uh, results. Precisely, yeah. Um, we will of course talk about that in, in more detail in a minute and on Monday uh, Arsenal de Sarandi and Tigre drew 0-0 Patronato and Newells drew 0-0 these are all on Monday now these last three and Belis Sarsfield and Union ended 2-0 to Union which means that Union are now second in the league but eight points behind Boca Juniors um who have made it eight wins from eight at the start of the season with that 2-1 win over River. Seven points in that case. Hang on a second. I thought it was eight, but yes, you're right. Tajeris, uh No, no, it's eight points. Eight. Union have 17, Boca have 24. That, that's, those are seven points. Oh, that is seven points, isn't it? Yeah, I'm yes. being an idiot. Sorry, yes. I <laughs> thought Union were at one point clear of Tajeris, but yes, they're not. Yes. Tajeris are nine back, two behind Union. Um... So, seven points behind Boca Juniors, uh, who made it eight wins from eight with that win in the Super Classical. There we go, that was take two. Um, as we say, it, it was an entertaining game. There was some decent football played, there were swings, and the game shifted from one team. Well, actually, mostly, for, for most of the game, River seemed to be on top. Uh, but Boca were the ones who put away more of their chances. Um, three really good goals as well. Uh, free kick from Christian Pavon. Yes. Uh, an absolute bluter for about 30 35 yards from Leonardo Poncio to tie the scores at 1 1 in the second half. Uh, when River. Was this before? That was before Pavon's red card, wasn't it? River were playing no, it was with 10 Cardona. And had 11. Cardona so. goal and red Sorry, yeah. Cardona scored the goal and then got sent off. Um, yes, I think it was uh, when they, both teams were with 10 men. I'll, I'll check it. I, I, I think it was before. I think it was while Cardona was still on the pitch. But I might be. It was, they were quite close together, so I might be going to get mixed yes. up. Oh no, you're right. Yeah, it was. It was about ten minutes after Cardona sending off, um, and then a uh, really nicely taken volley from Naitan 
Uh, hang on, no, because he told um, somebody on one of the television shows how to pronounce his first name fairly recently. It's Naitan, not Naitan, uh, Nandes, um, to make it 2 1 to Boca. Um, Do you know the origin was of, the, game of that name? I don't know it. It sounds similar to Nathan to me, which is a biblical, I think, oh. Hebrew. Um, so it could be a, a corruption. Of, of that Nathan it, yeah so the goal yeah. w- should, should have been disallowed because of that really? yes well I, I am crying like uh, everyone everyone cries because of everything and indeed yeah could be a um, possibility the, the match was sort of it, it started off entertaining uh, River had the better of the opening 10 minutes Boca had the better of the second 10 minutes minutes 11 to 20 if you like um and then it settled into sort of fairly pleasingly end-to-end for most of the rest of the first half. And it looked to me, um, and when I'm tweeting, I, I try and sort of watch it as much as a, as a neutral as possible. It looked like it was in danger of being a bit spoiled as a spectacle by Ignacio Fernandez's red card eight minutes before half-time uh, for planting his chest right uh, his chest right in the middle of the foot, or rather his foot right in the middle of the chest of Christian Pavon. Um, it was a red card that, for some reason, River were incensed by. I don't know why, because there was not really very much that Pitana could have done to not send him off. It was a, as clear a red card as you'll see. I think it has to do more with the, some uh, mental, I, I know how to say, disorder or, or, or some like uh, not focused, they are not like uh, under control of, mm. of what they are doing in some, some cases. And uh, this is strange because River and... and uh, they, they had a special uh, I, I how, how can I say it uh, uh, Sandra, he, they have Sandra Rossi who is a neurological uh, she's a doctor and, and works right. yes. like a sports uh, psychologist or yes. something uh, and works all the time with players trying to focus and to force, foresee what, what is coming try to avoid this this uh, kind of, of, of situations or actions and looks like they are not uh, uh, paying attention, or, or perhaps it's uh, at this point there is no use of those yeah. uh, things because uh, at least not in the last week because it, it yes. doesn't. I mean, watching it and especially watching the River players the way that they sort of erupted at Pitana at half time and were accusing officialdom in general of all sorts of conspiracies against the team uh, right in front of the television cameras and with the microphones, which is why we were watching it. Um, it seemed to me that this, you know, th- that reaction very possibly wouldn't have happened. I mean, I, I probably wouldn't have happened. Yes. Um, if not for the manner, not just the elimination, but the manner in which the elimination came about from the Copa Libertadores in the week. Of course you know, it's... With, with River feeling that yes. they'd been hard done by, and also probably ashamed of the way that they reacted themselves to, you know, being 3-0 up and they should have coasted it home regardless of what the officials were doing. Of, of course it's all related. It's all... Uh, there is a... a, a a relation between uh, the way in which they played the other day against Lanús, uh, that the, the lack of concentration, the, the the not to be the, not to be focused on the, on the match, and then uh, this Nacho Fernandez uh, kick to, to Cardona with the sent off, and and, and, and the, the players saying that the bar uh, was uh, used in a wrong way, and, and it's like. Uh, the, the combination between the bad performance and crying because of the referees, I think it's not healthy, it's not mm. good because you, apart from being 
from losing, you are not focused on what really matters, which is which is to improve yourself and try to be better yourself and not to complain because, uh, well, uh, these were results I think that might have uh, their their influence to for the players to 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 complain and cry against the referees and the bar mm. and and that they were uh, prejudiced by, by by Pitana and by the the Roldan the other day against Lanús. Uh, and especially Marcelo Gallardo, who uh, uh, before this too much is wasn't in the in the uh, in the way of of, of complaining and, and and saying that the referees had to do with with the with the bad results. And in this case, he did. So I think it's not a good uh, symptom for for what River is living right now. Mm. Uh, it's like a, it's it, it, it is like if this week was. Uh, well, too bad or too black to 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 for the players to realize that they, they are the main responsibles for for losing and for for playing in a, in the way they play and 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 the referees. Well, they can of course be not uh, good or or can uh, award penalties or not award penalties, but they are but they are not the main responsibles. Of course, it's obvious, but for play, for the players who are who are complaining. Uh, because of the referees, well, this is not that way. They they think that the referees are uh, are the are the real responsible for their losing. Yeah, um, indeed. Um, things were even uh, that was followed. Fernandez's red card, yes. as as if to uh, confirm. Uh, it, it seemed like at, at the time this fear that the match might just uh, turn into something. You know, much less watchable than the first almost 40 minutes had been. It was followed just a couple of minutes later by Edwin Cardona's free. In fact, it was from that foul, wasn't it? it, it it's there yes. was a gap of about two yes. or three minutes, um, but the free kick was actually fo- due to the resulting foul. So it was followed immediately in terms of the ball being in play um, by a wonderful free kick from Edwin Cardona um, to make it one nil to Boca Juniors, and that was the score at half time. And it sort of felt like, right, I mean, the second half isn't going to be as entertaining because it's 10 v 11 and it's the 11 who've got the lead and they're away from home. Lots of reasons to suggest that Boca would be able to just to hold River out. Um, but in all honesty, watching the first sort of 15 minutes or so of the, um, of the, of the second half, you would have been hard-pressed to realise that River were a man down. Uh, they played really, really well. They, they responded magnificently and... Edwin Cardona's red card, which actually shouldn't have been given and which Boca would have been justified in complaining about, and they complained much less about it than River had done about Nacho Fernandez's perfectly um, good red card, uh, which came from Edwin Cardona uh, for sticking his elbow into Enzo Perez's face, except that he didn't. Enzo Perez just acted as if he had done. Um, which levelled things up, and and from that point, River sort of continued to to dominate really up until, and probably I think just after Leonardo Poncio's um, goal, uh, which was then very swiftly, as I've already mentioned, followed by Naitan Hernandez Hernandez's uh, um, winner. What turned out to be the winner for Boca. There were still chances later on as well. Uh, it was a very entertaining game. Yeah, round, River as always was uh, risking too too much in this case because they were losing. But they are doing this all the time. That the defense is too uh, ahead in the in the in the in the, in the pitch, and, and they of course uh, have a lot of pace for the rival to to uh, get the counter attack if they are good to to manage it. 
uh, in this case Boca wasn't, but they had of course a lot of possibilities. But uh, yes, you, 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 I think you realize, and I told you this before we, we started recording, you can realize that the team is not in a good moment when it, with with uh, goals like Poncios, which was another beautiful goal. Uh, it w was a goal of another match, uh, yes. like we say here, because River, if, if even when play playing better than in the first half, in the first half, uh, uh, if 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 it wasn't because of that goal, I I don't think they w shouldn't been able to to get the equalizer. And after that, you say, well, we push Boca and try to get the the winning goal, and it was the just the opposite. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think that that it's like a sign of what River is living right now. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Um, it must be said, in spite of his play acting for Christian Pavon's red card, Enzo Perez otherwise Cardona. Uh, had... Uh, sorry, for, oh, bloody hell. I keep getting them mixed up. <laughs> for, thank you, Andres. Uh, for Cardona's red card, uh, Enzo Perez otherwise had an excellent game. He made two magnificent saving tackles. Um, Similar to Macherano's against the Netherlands yeah. in the... World Cup 2014. Yeah, yeah, two of them um, yes. at the end of counter-attacks from which it looked certain that Boca were going to uh, to score another goal. It would have put them 3-1 up at the time, I think, on both occasions. Um, and yeah, and, and Cardona is, is proving to be a, a funny one. It looks as if Boca are going to... Well, in fact, we know. They, they confirmed it today, I think. Um, that Boca are going to appeal to the AFA to uh, at least have Cardona's suspension, um, which is mandatory when you get sent off. Um, to have that suspension overturned, which I, you know you would well, assume that the AFA will do because it was definitely shouldn't have been given a red card. There is, there is not a rule that says that the referee or the the the, uh, the uh, discipline, uh, how do you say, it, the tribunal, the disciplina, mm. well, they, they 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 can they they can turn back a decision and and, and allow the player to. To play the, the following match. Uh, in this case, the only thing, as uh, as I heard, is that the, the the those that are the 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 in charge of the of giving the the the, the number of matches in which a player won't be able to to play, uh, call the, the referee and and ask them whether they want to oh, declare. It depends on whether the referee yes. agrees and changes yeah. changes the the inform. You're quite right. Yeah. So yeah, yes. if if Pitana says to the AFA that no after after seeing the replays yes. he would still have sent um, in that case only off. Yes. in that case yeah it would, it would stand but I mean yes. one would assume yes. that what's going to happen is that Pidana is going to look at the replay and say no fair enough that wasn't a red card uh, because it wasn't and, um, and it would be unfair because there are other teams in which it was clear that they were they had players that were unfairly sent off and these things didn't happen mm. uh, and if it's Boca the one who was benefited well, it's not. It's not because it, I am a real supporter. Great, but at the same time, I mean, in this case, it would be the right decision, and I don't think you can yes, say that it shouldn't be done because there are other other cases in which the wrong decision has been taken, and therefore the wrong decision is the right one to take all the time. Um, and there is another problem that, for example, I am I, I am uh, not. Uh, I don't like the the, the the teams, the players, and the board members, coaches to to complain all the time because if not. Well, it happens all the time that they complain and cry. Yeah. But uh, all all of the well, Boca supporters, Lanús supporters, all all of the supporters which weren't River supporters uh, said that River cried because of the bar 
and that the penalty and blah blah but if if this is if the referee uh, sent off wrongly a player but he sent him off because he thought that there was an elbow well of course it's unfair uh, but if it's if it if this is it this is it uh, unless there is a, a change of the rules for from now on that says that well the The, there, there can be an, an, a, a change in the decision in the middle, or, or how I think in England it happens yeah, like that, for example. Of, yes. Independently of, of the referee, referee yeah, yes. the, the FA can, um, can over, overturn yes. a referee's decision if, if they decide that it's obviously an incorrect one. Yeah. That, that might be the way to go, maybe, especially with the Superliga looking into ways constantly that they can yes. uh, improve, in inverted commas, uh, how this thing goes. Um, and I kind of agree. I mean, I, I was getting very annoyed with Reber last year, uh, last week. Sorry, uh, as, as uh, listeners will probably have, have picked up um, for the nonsense around the, the decision with Lanús. I mean, yeah, okay, you didn't get a penalty, but you were three 0 up on aggregate, yes. and you don't get given a penalty. That's not the reason that you end up losing four two or four three. Um, and we and don't know whether all this kind of thing and, and relying yes. on it too much. And then during the first half. Um, You have Reba fans again and Reba players saying, oh, the, the officials are all against us, blah, blah. And then that swings away to Boca uh, in the second half saying, no, this proves Cardona's red card, which obviously wasn't. And, and I agree it obviously wasn't, as I think I've made clear by now. But, you know, the fans going, this proves that the officials are against us. And the truth is that whenever you hear either Reba fans or Boca fans saying that match officials are against them, uh, that, that's, that's complete bollocks. That's like, for the benefit of an English football fan, it, you know, it's, it's like a Manchester United or a Liverpool fan complaining that they never get the decisions their way. Um, it, 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 it's just yes. rubbish. And, and, and it's, I just, I've, I, this might be because I'm becoming a little bit disillusioned um, with Argentine football at times and, and it, it, it seems to be getting just a little bit harder to, to watch and to maintain my enthusiasm for. I don't know whether this comes across on the podcast or not. Um, but I, I'm just sort of... I, I really wish that there was a bit more self-awareness when, when some of these comments are going. On the part of fans and also on the part of club directors and the part of players. And this goes for Rivera, it goes for Boca, it goes for clubs right the way across the spectrum. Because if a Chacarita fan um, says that the Superliga officials are against them and want them to, to, to go down then I might possibly have some sympathy depending on the context that they say that in and depending on what the decisions are for Chacarita this season. I'm, I'm not saying they have said yes. this. But when to, when any of the big five say it, and particularly when River or Boca say it, it's just a bit tiresome. And when you've got Lanús or whatever going, oh, it's all a conspiracy, there's no way they'll let us pass River. Well, yeah, there is, because actually sometimes those But conspiracies really don't Two things. Exist. One, that... Provided the half, the second half half was against Lanús, we don't we don't even don't know whether if even with River winning 3-0 that Lanús could possibly score five. Hmm. So uh, it's not warranty that the River was were winning 3-0 that they should. No, of course not. Pass pass away. Pass Still, to the final. And apart what you from do then is you, you concentrate and you don't lose track of where Jose Sand is at various points yes. if you're. Jonathan Maidana at um, Argentine supporters and in the in uh, in the last uh, well I don't know how to say years uh, it was uh, even more like that that it's not it doesn't matter the fair or if it's fair or unfair if it 
in favor of your team is okay, and if it's yeah, exactly, against your yeah. team is is uh, it, it's bad. So. And, and it's particularly annoying now because I've, I've seen a couple of quotes. I haven't read the articles, but I've seen sort of quotes on, on the front pages of, of sports sites today starting to preview um, a match that we'll look into very briefly in a little while, River against Moron this Sunday in the Copa Argentina semi-final, um, where River fans have, have sort of been saying, oh, you know, nobody at the AFA wants us to, to win anything. And so, you know, and you kind of think, guys, you're about to play Deportivo Moron in the cup semi-final. River wanted to postpone if, the match because if the they... referee wants to help your opponents, you should still beat them fairly handily. It's River against Moron. It, it's not yes. like I don't like know, these crying. It, it's uh, as if they're preparing the excuses thing. beforehand, and, and oh, everything is a conspiracy. River wanted no, wanted to postpone the match mm. because they have players in the in national teams because of the well. But and I, I think that, I mean there's a there's an argument there and and I, and I can see how they would be unpleased at not being able to field their strongest side. Particularly, it doesn't happen with the Copa Argentina clearly, but other cup competitions elsewhere, you know, can get quite uppity about clubs not always fielding the strongest sides, and not taking the competition seriously. At least River are trying to do this. Um, you know the the fact is that a River Plate side which doesn't feature Enzo Perez and who's the other player who's been called up? Is there another player who's been called up, or is it just Perez from the national for the national team? Yeah. No, I don't think so. It's just Perez, isn't it? So right. a, a River Plate side, the current River Plate side minus Enzo Perez should still be able to get past Moron. I mean, <laughs> I, I yeah. don't think it's going to go to penalties. Um, but yeah, so just sort of hearing this this constant like oh they don't want us to win anything like no. Just, just shut up, please shut up. Anyway, and and beforehand there was a, like a, somehow like a, a thing that River used to say, which was that they were out out uh, standing against all odds, against all uh, the things that they had against them. And now it well, the referees is one of those things, and they couldn't get uh, uh, resolve the solve the match. With the referee that the, that was against them, and so why do you complain if before you you were uh, you were able to 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 win even when you had the referees against you against yourself? So it's it's really I I, I don't like this, and I hope that uh, uh, the players and along with Gachardo when thing the time time passes uh, and with with no cameras and in, in the dressers they 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 see things like. Like the, the the way they really are, uh, that they were responsible responsible of, of, of their results and not not referees. But well, I don't know. I don't. I, I am not with Gashard on the players, so I don't. I don't know. No, indeed. Um, we should talk about. Well, we should talk about a little bit about Boca at yes. least, who having played superbly against, as English Dan and I said last week. Uh, relatively speaking, weaker sides so far this season, um, but playing much more freely than they had up until this point. Uh, up until uh, you know, against similar opponents last season, um, perhaps didn't play as free flowing, and, and uh, as we said, were sort of um, second best for, for for a lot of the game in footballing terms on Sunday. But who, all the same, showed a tremendous amount of character—the kind of character that River are lacking at the moment themselves—to um, to win that game. Um, and as a result, as we say, have a 100% record after eight matches. The downside of this, I mean, 
obviously as, as two river sympathisers here where the, the, there are lots of downsides for us but the, the downside even from a neutral point of view is that it unfortunately takes away from the uh, drama of the title race because it means that the title race, it, there isn't really one. Uh, the, the, the next round of matches, once it's complete, is, is going to be more a third of the way through the season. And yes. Boca could conceivably, um, Boca could be ten points clear after after one third of the season. Yeah, the, the serious we, we we could say the serious, the most serious comp- uh, uh, rival that Boca has right now is San Lorenzo, that it's fourth with nine points away. Because mm. of course, Union, we we imagine that they will. Drop points and they won't won't be the the, the, the second uh, in the table from from for a long time from now on. So uh, it's Lorenzo in the fourth position and then River is thirteenth. Uh, so yes, sorry, I'll, I'll bring the table up again. Uh, River, uh, yeah, you're quite right in thirteenth. San Lorenzo fourth. The other big five sides, Independiente, are eleventh. Um, actually, level on points with River, just ahead of them on goal difference. And um, Racing are down in 20th place. Dan and I were talking about, of course, Racing's poor form so far this season, um, just last week. Um, but I, I don't know, we're going to have a look at Union's upcoming fixtures and San Lorenzo's upcoming fixtures and also third place Tacheres' upcoming fixtures um, in, a, in a short while. And, and we'll see. I, I, I would like to think that Union can hang on in there. I watched, Colón managed it last season. I watched part of the game time. against Vélez and it was, a, a, I think, it was obvious mm-hmm. that it, it would be like this, but a, a 50%, a, a good match from Union and 50 a, a very, very bad from Vélez, yeah. whose coach is not anymore the coach, uh, as the Felipe, Omar de Felipe has resigned. Uh, yes, and this down, yeah. Sunday there, is, there are elections in, at Vélez. So uh, it's uh, yes a hot moment for them. Elections and also next weekend, not this coming weekend, but the weekend after the Clásico with Huracán. Ah. I say Clásico. I'm putting it in inverted commas, yes. but they're, they're sort of semi-Clásico. They don't get on well. Vélez try to pretend that it's a Clásico. Huracán. Uh, but there is not a round of Clásicos, of course. But um, no, there isn't a round of Clásicos this time, uh, fortunately. Um, but no, I, I think Union have, have been impressive so far. Venice against Union, incidentally, I think might be the two youngest squads in the top flight. Um, Venice had the other day against Union, 16 of the 18 players were from the minor divisions, from the yeah. division of, of Palace. Yeah, and, and Union had, I think, two players above the age of 30 uh, in the starting 11. Um, one of whom was was the man who scored there at least the second goal. I well, they they have the they have kept their squad from a long time uh, with, uh, for example, the brother the Piton brothers, which are they have a funny surname, but uh, they play <laughs> well. One is the left defender, left uh, left back, and the other is the uh, centre midfielder, yeah, Bruno yes. Mauro. Mauro um, yes. Franco Soldano scored the first goal. He, I, I can't remember how old he is, but um, uh, Lucas Gamba is 31, and I think he was one of two. Oh no, wait, N- uh, Nereo Fernandez wasn't in goal, so yeah, it might be just Soldano and Gamba um, above the age of 30 in that starting lineup. Oh, Jonathan Bottinelli is the other 33 oh. years old. Yeah, uh, the same as his shirt number, coincidentally. Um, but yeah, I was, you know, it's very difficult to judge against a Belles side who might, well and might be very talented, but they're sort of yes. they're kids, yes. and they're just sort of not very good as a team, and uh, going to yes. be dragged down into a relegation battle as well. Um, there is a famous uh, uh, term that says that 
uh, you can win matches with the kids, but you must you can win tournaments with the with experienced players. Yeah. Yes, indeed. Um, elsewhere, Racing against Tacheres is a game that we can't tell you too much about because we were at an asado around the English Dan's place when yes. that game was on, so we didn't see it. Dan was listening to it on the radio. That's yes. it. But Emmanuel Emiliano Emiliano Reynoso. Emmanuel Reynoso. Emmanuel, I think, yes. Let's look it up. Or Bebelo, the nickname. Yeah. <laughs> to, um, to put it easier. Drink it, Reynoso. Um, it is, I think it's Emmanuel. Yes. It is Emmanuel. Emmanuel Reynoso. Oh, he got a red card as well. Um, that's interesting. Oh, it wasn't him who scored the goal. He must no, have assisted it. I, I thought when we were listening on the radio, I thought they were saying that he scored. Uh, but no, Marcelo Torres scored for uh, Tacheres and Andres Ibarguen scored Racing's goal. They came fairly close together-ish, about, um, what, 10, 10 minutes or so apart. Um, sounds like another disappointment for Racing, but go back and listen to last week uh, last week's episode if you want to the lowdown on why Racing are playing so badly this term uh, from English Dan. Uh, we've talked about River and Boca already, both together. San Lorenzo lost 1-0 at home to Banfield. Can you remember what Mariano was telling us about that? Because he was there. Yeah, that there was a penalty that uh, Nicolas Blandi shot uh, through a panenka. And oh, yeah, and then he had to ask for forgiveness for the crowd because... Um, well, yes, the goalkeeper uh, grabbed the ball while uh, it was like he uh, cleared the ball and it uh, bounced into the, in the bar and came back to, the, to his hands. And yes, it was a uh, unfortunate... Uh, shoot for the goal, for the <clears throat> penalty that came fairly mm. shortly after Pablo Molce had scored what turned yes. out to be the only goal of the game for Banfield um, one of the goals this weekend in fact that I haven't seen I've just realised because uh, interesting little fact for you here listeners um, the Superliga has its own YouTube page and they are uploading three minute highlight packages of every match with crowd noise only with no commentary um, mm. so I would suggest searching for Superliga Argentina de Football on YouTube and subscribing um, and you will get all of the games uh, all, all of the, the, the goals and some of the sort of other decent chances I, I watched that and I found it, found it some, somehow strange because uh, well of course uh, not commentators is okay it's good but uh, in some cases I don't know why yeah some of the choices for which highlights they show are a bit like no, and apart from that, in some teams there were a few, a few supporters, and it was like no crowd, no no commentators. It was like yeah, it was the 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 environment looked like like a training, not a, a yeah, yeah. an official match. Arsenal against Tigre, for instance, yes. which also I have to say there was very little football as well, um, because I did end up watching and or, against or Olympo. watching by osmosis because it was on while I was doing other and things, but. Um, and Lanús against Olimpo, I, I understand that perhaps they, the Lanús supporters, well, they aren't a lot. Uh, the other day also in the Asado we talked about this, that Banfield has, ha, well, Mariano said this, so if they are, you're a Lanús supporter, please talk to Mariano. He said that, that Banfield have more supporters, that Quilmes have more supporters, and Lanús ha, has, uh, they, they, they don't have a lot. And But uh, independently of that, they they uh, <coughs> get got the ticket to the final of the Copa Libertadores and they played in their stadium and they, they were only a few a few supporters mm. not a lot 
So but then it is right after the fans have just had to spend a load of money yeah, for that semi-final. Yes. So having said that, a lot of the Celsius aren't going to pay for the game. I don't know. Yes, I found it funny anyway. Indeed. Um, but yeah, that was a 2-0 win for Olimpo. Um, goals from David De Petris and Franco Troshansky. Um, the substitute to give Olimpo a thoroughly unexpected win and one which I'm just thinking what effect that's going to have on the relegation table because Olimpo are right down there um, I'm loading the relegation table now you'll probably have guessed because we never load things in advance Olimpo are at the top of the relegation zone even after that win it's Chacarita at the bottom Arsenal, Tempele and then Olimpo counting up and then just above Olimpo uh Six points ahead of them are Huracan, um, who, of course, got a win. Did they get the win? No, they didn't. They got a loss against Godoy Cruz, 2-1 away from home. Um, they're going to be dragged into it. Vélez, I already mentioned, they're going to be dragged into it. They're only two points above Huracan now. Um, Patronato, I think, are going to be safe because they seem to be picking up just enough points at home. They've got 11 already this season as well, which helps. Um, and I think that Tigre are going to be dragged down. I, yes. I, I still we talked about this last week with, with English Down as well I, I still don't know but I think that I, I reckon at the end of the season if Tigre aren't in the bottom four it wouldn't surprise me if the bottom four are the current bottom four so Olimpo yes. Arsenal, I, I, I agree I think. and I think that if Tigre yes. don't get dragged down into that bottom four that they will be fifth from bottom honestly yeah. just looking at everybody else in basically the bottom half of the relegation table um, practically everybody apart from those four and Tigre is either on in double figures for points this season or has got nine points this season and is playing better. Uh, Defensive DC and Newells are the two sides on nine. Um, Tigre, Olimpo, Tempeleas and Al Chacarita have all either got five or four points uh, from eight games. And so that's, that's why I think that Tigre are going to be down into that battle. The others will probably be okay, but I mean, Veles are going to be really if if Belis aren't struggling this season then they're going to be struggling next season because they're just not well managed at the moment off the pitch you know the, the, the directors aren't doing the jobs either you mean Tigre you mean Carlos Lombardi no no I mean Belis Belis as an institution yes. uh, and is not being well managed and the team on the pitch don't have uh, anybody to look to um Leandro de Sabato, not the Estudiantes defender, but his cousin, the Belisarsfield midfielder, who I think is like 27, is like is one of the older players in the squad. Literally, I, th- I think um, he, he might even be the oldest of the regular starters um, in the squad. And, and so there's not really anybody for them to look to and, and to rally around. Yes, um, is, is in the squad or? Oh, Cabrera is, yeah, sorry, you're right, he's injured at the uh, moment. He didn't play, yes, okay. He played, I hope he didn't play, no, I've just said he's injured. Let me check again. I, I should do my research before I yes. go off on one like this. Well, but I'm pretty sure that Cabrera, at the, at the very least, he was a major, he was a doubt. He missed the first, the previous couple of games. Um, and, I'm still waiting with a tab to load. No, he didn't play, thank God for that. Uh, he wasn't on the subs bench either. So I'm right. And De Sabato, in fact, was an unused substitute. So... It, it's it's not promising. Well, the, the Felipe, the, the coach, he's not the coach anymore, uh, mm. said something that could help Vélez because he was at Independiente when Nevende was in the National B. Yeah. Uh, and he said that he feels the same in, at Vélez that he that 
what he felt in, in at Independiente that the team was with no uh, directors that uh, or, or people watch, uh, looking for for the, the better for Vélez or the best for Vélez. They yeah. were they, they are like selfish and they look for them and they don't they, they aren't uh, uh, they don't matter or, or, or about what really matters, which is the, the club, the institution, uh, and that when when things like this happen. Well, nothing good can can come for for the club, uh, and he he was in the in situation similar situation at the Independiente when they were in the second division. So they, he can talk about uh, a club which is in difficult situation. Yeah, um, indeed. And and the other difficulty for for Vélez is that I, I suspect um, that in January that there's going to be some interest in Maxi Romero, the the Ford. I don't think from abroad. But from some of the bigger clubs in Argentina, maybe not River or Boca. Well, actually, maybe River, given some of the players that they lost in um, in the winter transfer window. Um, but um, you know, may- maybe some of the the other of the big five, one or two other places that are maybe a bit more stable than Vélez, possibly even from Brazil. I mean, he's 18 years old. He looks very promising. He didn't play particularly well on um, on Monday evening, but yes. but you know, by and large. Uh, in a fairly poor team he has really stood out as far and away the best player and if they lose him and I am this is pure speculation here it's not that he's already being linked with people it's not that the, the Argentine press are starting to think this I just have a feeling that we're going to see some clubs coming in with offers for him um, and uh, in in the current sort of climate I think yes, and, and I don't know whether they can afford to lose him in a footballing sense and best will perhaps release him because he, he will they will need the money mm. and yes the money is perhaps more important than simply a player which is perhaps good but but he's a kid and and, and uh, the problem is that after him there is no 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 one else no, because he's already a kid because the second choice uh, centre forward is is Jonathan Cristaldo who he, and had his moments in his he was incredibly linked with River yeah. several times. And now well, like I said, I mean, he's, yes. he's, he's had his moments. He's not a bad striker, but he's a fairly underwhelming one. Yes. Um, and he's not sort of anywhere near the level um, that Vélez need their centre forward to be at. Um, so, yeah, they, they could have some issues. Um, elsewhere, other big results were Tempele 1, Defensa Uticia 4, which Andres told me an interesting statistic about. Uh, yes, so, something I, I did. I haven't. Uh, I, I haven't seen uh, in any other match, which is uh, that Ignacio Rivero. I think he was the number eight of of defensive justicia. Uh, committed two penalties in uh, the same, of course, in the same match. Uh, two hands handballs mm-hmm. uh, awarded to, to Temple. Uh, of course, the first of the of, of those was missed. I don't know who by whom. But the second one, the second one was scored and was the seconds. only goal for Temple. Yeah. I'll tell you who it was who missed it in a second. Once this tab loads, it's an excellent statistics yes. website, the TN yes. one. But it does take a while sometimes to load the tabs if you're in the middle of recording. Uh, Ramiro Costa had his penalty mm-hmm. saved, and then Adrian Arregui um, missed it. Who? No, he was he was the one who scored it. Oh. Uh, Costa had it had it saved, and then about oh, what is eight. that? Twenty three minutes, and then ten minutes later, Arregui um, scored his. Uh, I quite like the fact, incidentally, that Arregui plays on the same team as somebody called Aguirre, or at least he did last season, because their surnames are exact. Um, 
Oh, what's the word? But anagrams Aguirre, of, but Aguirre, uh, Aguirre, you mean the, the Gaston Aguirre, the defender, or, or there was another Aguirre? There was, there was an Aguirre, I can't remember whether it was ah. Gaston or someone else, but there was an Aguirre at Defensa y Justicia last year. Ah, okay. And no, because... Arregui. Um, yeah, and I, and I like the fact... That, oh, was he, was he with Tempoli? Arregui is from Tempoli, yes. Oh, so he scored... Oh, right, sorry, yeah, you're talking... Right, so Defensa y Justicia, Tempoli had two penalties. Yes, yes. Costa missed it, Arregui scored it. So yes, in fact, Arregui is on the same team. Where's the Aguirre? I was looking at completely. No, no, he he was in the bench. That's why I, I asked. Gaston Aguirre. Yeah. Uh, no, they they don't always start together, but I just like the fact they're at the same club, particularly yes. because it is. I mean, Arregui is not a surname I've seen anywhere else. Yes. So it really does just seem like somebody's made it up as an anagram of Aguirre, um, and I find it excellent that they occasionally play alongside each other. I really like that fact because I'm a bit sad. Um, but yeah, Tempele won defensive with DCF4 with Tempele uh, missing a penalty or having a penalty saved and scoring a penalty, which were both given away by the same person. What was that person's name again, Andres? Ignacio Rivero. Rivero, who, according to this um, website, was not even the worst player on the pitch, despite giving away two penalties with handballs. Blimey. They, they voted the Swiss defender, oh. Dylan Gisi, um, as, as lower 5.4 against 5.5 I didn't catch that game because it was a morning kickoff and I'm not going to watch I watched a, a little a little of it and, and yes of course Defensa Justicia did what they wanted against Temple which are I think uh, just uh, well lost in the in the pitch and they yeah uh, like any any team like of course saving distances uh, River is suffering something similar in which that any any team that is solid or at least uh, tidy with their with the ball and, and 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 knowing what they are doing in the pitch could complicate them. Mm. And I think that Temple is in that side in that uh, moment. Yeah, and uh, Defensa as well are a, a team who really you know they, they they play some nice stuff. I think they were uh, just looking at the the formation that we had up on the screen. There it was four one two three or four two one three. Um, with with three out and out yes. forwards um, on the pitch, you know they're still trying clearly to play the same way as they were when the guy whose name I've forgotten, who's now San Paoli's assistant, because was in charge, and Olan before, thank you, because they say, and Olan before him when they were both at the club, you know they're they're clearly they make their managerial appointments according, I can't remember who the current manager is um, but they're making their managerial appointments according to who's going to continue to play that style of football and I think that's admirable particularly for such a small club um, who, who don't have their premier in place guaranteed every season by any means um, and they're doing really well Independiente finally had another frustrating day they had five shots off target and only two on target and they hit the post once in their nil-nil draw away to Belgrano um, so they continued to create decent chances but without being able yes. to put them away no, at but times. They, they missed. but it was a pretty even game yes. in fact they missed two goals that I thought it, w- it was well uh, incredibly missed by first division players mm. professional players but one, they, of, one of them was right near the end yeah yes yeah I can't remember who it was, but I remember seeing it and um, exclaiming something, which which my girlfriend came in from the next room and was like, "What? What are you talking about?" Like, no, I'm just watching the football. I, just, I can't believe that he's just missed that. Um, yes, yeah, so as I say, I can't remember who it was at all. One of them was by Leandro Fernandez, uh, who I, I think he it was Lucas, Lucas Albertengo in, in second ah. half stoppage time is the one that I'm thinking of, and the one that you're thinking of is 
Yeah, Leandro Fernandez very early on, was it? Yes, uh, I, he was like right after half time. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He like had that. the ball clear to to score, and he uh, was too late, too lazy, and and the defender cleared cleared it. Uh, but it, he had all of, all the goal for himself, and and because he was slow, uh, missed the, the, the opportunity. Mm. So Independiente still with some familiar woes, and unfortunately we can't talk to you about Colón San Martín. Or can we? Did you see any of that? Only a few, but only the, the that uh, part in which well the Superliga uh, uh, summary of the three minutes. Yeah. So look it up. Look up that Superliga summary on YouTube because uh, it was a three-three draw. The goals are really some of them are, uh, were, were quite nice from what I remember. I saw it right after they uploaded it because I've got my subscription on my phone. Um, but yeah, we can't say much about the game because we didn't see it. We're going to take a break now, and in the second half of the podcast, we're going to talk about the Argentine national team who are playing two games in Russia over the next few days. Don't go away. Argentina are playing in Russia at against Russia in the uh, Luzhniki, the Estadio Luzhniki, as it's called here. Um, and I don't know the Russian stadium, so we'll just call it the Luzhniki, uh, as it's called in Moscow. Um, on Saturday, I don't know what time the time is in Russia, but here it's going to be 10 o'clock in the morning, which means that if you're listening in the UK, it's going to be 1 o'clock in the afternoon. And in the States, it's going to be 8 o'clock in the morning, so... Have fun getting up for that one, our American listeners. Um, it is the first of two friendlies um, with uh, somewhat less pressure than Jorge Sampaoli has previously had, even in his previous friendlies. I think there was a certain amount of pressure, those ones against Brazil and Singapore, to um, start putting together a team that was going to get qualified for the World Cup. The other one is going to be against Nigeria on Tuesday, Tuesday isn't it? Yeah, on Tuesday afternoon. It's about... I think one o'clock in the afternoon or half one or something like that. Argentine time. Um, what are we going to learn from these friendlies? Supposedly, Jorge Sampaoli already has a very good idea. Um, he, he's got, of the 23-man squad that's going to be named for the World Cup, um, the reports are suggesting that he's already sort of decided 17 of them for sure. So there are only about six places up for grabs. One of those is one of the goalkeeper slots. So really there are only five places significantly up for grabs because we know that Sergio Romero is going to be starting um, in goal. Um, and he's got to try to get the team playing the way that he wants them to play because that didn't happen under an awful lot of pressure and for very obvious reasons, or at least in my opinion they're very obvious reasons, during the World Cup qualifiers and he ended up going for something of, as I described it last month, the broken team away to Ecuador in the ultimately decisive game. Um, Looking for a player who can uh, <clears throat> be along with Messi, mm. the one who's, for example, Dybala saying that it was difficult. Well, perhaps Rochelso is the one chosen for that uh, position, perhaps, no? Perhaps he is, yeah, because... Um, we have a, a, a rumoured um, starting eleven, 
Bear in mind that these rumoured starting 11s for the World Cup qualifiers changed about four times yes. in the space of two days yes. before the games, and that we still have two days to go, at least what, two and a half days, in fact, to go before kick-off of this game, as we record. Um, but Peter, uh, who actually is in England at the moment, on holiday, oh. um, and yet he's still working like a demon on his own Twitter account, so well done, Peter, because when I go on holiday, I, I tend to just completely ignore Twitter for weeks on end, um, has tweeted... A rough formation. I saw this one given as a 3-3-1-3 on ESPN when I was watching earlier. Peter's decided to tweet it as a uh, a 3-4-3. Either way, Sergio Romero in goal, Federico Facio, Javier Mascherano and Nicolas Otamendi um, along the back. Enzo Perez, Matias Kranibiter and Giovanni Lo Celso as ESPN's line of three. Emiliano Rigoni of Independiente, of not Independiente, sorry, of, of Zenit, but the former Independiente player. Um, ESPN had him sort of between the midfield and, and the forward line. Peter's just got him as part of the midfield. And Lionel Messi, Sergio Aguero, and Angel Di Maria um, up front. That could be a 3 3 1 3. It could be a, a 3 1 3 3 almost, uh, depending on how deep Cranavita sits. Um, it's the first appearance of. Aguero, since Sampaoli is, is uh, in charge, right? It is, yes. Sampaoli wanted him to, uh, apparently wanted him to start in the last two World Cup double headers, but of course he got that broken rib Injured. after his, his, his taxi crash. Um, because he went to a concert of Maluma. Well, that is, that is controversial in yeah. itself, and apart from that, he got injured. And there's an information, information which is also rumor, the same as at the formation, at the. At the uh, that will play against Russia, which is that Icardi isn't in the squad because he has uh, had a like a knock, like a oh yeah, there have been people are saying that he's not really injured. That yes, and, and he didn't want to come after after going to Singapore against Singapore and and Brazil. I'd uh, be quite surprised if right. if he's sort of if especially given the performances he's put in, I'd be quite surprised if he feels that he can. Um, skip games like this and, and still expect to go to the World Cup. I, I think he's genuinely injured. Um, personally, yes. <laughs> I don't know what you think. We don't know. Uh, it's it will be stupid for him after going to the qualifiers and and injured to to, uh, to another uh, uh, couple of of, of friendlies. Uh, the one you mentioned against Singapore and, and Brazil. Uh, he went even being injured and. Now that he's closer to the World Cup, he won't be there because he has a, only a, a suffered the knock or something like that. Hmm. I, I think it's, it will be silly. So yes, I if if you ask me, I, I think he is injured, but uh, I don't know because I am not. <laughs> uh, we can believe what they saying, what the people says about he, if he is injured or not. But uh, not being there with him is <laughs> uh, uh, impossible to, to really know. Yeah, indeed. Um, so the things that Sampaoli really has to try to, to get working are a midfielder who can support Lionel Messi, who's not just Enzo Perez, and one would assume that that's why Giovanni Lo Celso has been given the call-up this time. Lo Celso came in, in fact, to replace Icardi when Icardi was, um, uh, was reported as having picked up this injury. Um, but I think that it's an excellent chance for Lo Celso to try and, you know, if, if he can, I don't know how he's been playing for PSG. Um, but you know, to, to, to grasp the nettle uh, I, I admit, in his fist, as it were. And I admit that I will. Uh, I was willing to see or to watch 
Leandro Paredes with more activity mm. in the in national team. And in similar terms, in fact, sorry to interrupt, yes. but I'm really interested by the fact that this is also the first time that Matias Kranemita has featured in a San Paoli squad, bearing in mind that San Paoli had him last season on loan at Sevilla. Um, started, I, I think, used him more in the first half of the season than in the second. I can't remember exactly why that was, whether Kranemita was injured or whether he, he went off him a bit. Um but uh, yeah, I, I, given what we know about Sampaoli, about why Mascherano has been moved into the back line, because Sampaoli wants a midfield who can control the ball better, who can move it forward better, who, who look for the forward pass more often, I think it's, it's really interesting that Kranimita, um has played himself into Sampaoli's squad now. I, I haven't seen him that much for Atletico, so I don't know whether he's doing it on merit. But Yes, uh, he's, well, there, there are... Uh People saying that he's not even playing regularly at Zenit, so... Uh, oh, at Zenit, sorry, yes, yes. not at Sevilla. Yes. Uh, or indeed at Atletico. I'm getting completely lost <laughs> with where he is. He's been making too many transfers and loan moves. Is he on loan at Zenit, or is he transferred there? I think, you know, I, I think he's, uh, he, he has been bought by, by, by Zenit, not on, on loan. We'll find out now. Matthias Kranemiter Transfers Where is it? Atletico Sevilla It doesn't say That's useful oh. His Spanish language Wikipedia Doesn't make any mention Of the fact that he is now A Zenit player I mean it does Because it's got it in the stats But it doesn't mention Whether he was transferred Or just loaned So we don't know um, But anyway It's interesting that he's in the squad and I think that if he is playing well, he could be an excellent choice. But the Russian yes. league doesn't get televised here. And if it did, it would be televised at about like 8 o'clock in the morning or something. Um, so we don't know whether we he's can, doing We can only catch perhaps a, a, an Europa League match in which Zenit is playing. But, uh, oh, that's a good idea. Maybe I should yes. try and do that more often, yeah. <laughs> yes. try, try and actually earn this, this money that nobody ever pays me to watch football. Um, so, yes. Anyway... Um, so that's an interesting call that I quite like the look of, as is the inclusion of Lo Celso. Rigoni, Cranemita's Zenit teammate. So we have something of a, a Zenit connection there in the midfield, which could prove interesting if, if they're you know, training with each other all the time. I wonder how much is, uh, um, San Paoli has, has, has allowed that to influence his thinking as well. Um, and the forward line is, is proven and high quality yes. and has experience in... World Cups and in important games and involves Lionel Messi still to but watch whether Di Maria is uh, confirmed or not because mm. uh, after Ecuador in which he had a decent match he was uh, highly uh, uh, questioned by, by well supporters journalists almost everyone that uh, was watching national team uh, were not convinced on, convinced on Di Maria still being supported by the by the coach Hmm. No, absolutely, and, and particularly, I mean, he was actually talking earlier today um, on television, saying you know, maybe some of his injuries in big games have come as a result of feeling the pressure too much, and that sort of makes you wonder. Well, is is he the ideal San Paoli player then? Who likes his players to play at a very high tempo, and and is going to surely be trying to to get Argentina more into that habit from now on. Um, we shall see. But the other big question mark is over the defence, of course, with, uh, what did I say the, the, the line of three was so far? Facio, Mascherano and Otamendi. None of them are 
the fastest defenders in the world. Mascherano makes up for that by being very, very mobile and, and willing to bust a gut, as you know, to slightly soften the phrase yeah. that he himself used during the World Cup. Fastest all, and uh, Otamendi, well, is the one who has been uh, playing since a lot of time in the, in the, in the team. Uh, we should we we should see what happens with with Musacchio. It's another one, uh, which I think he has possibilities to go there in the to the World Cup, but he hasn't been called up now. So yes, we we must see Ramiro Fuentes-Mori that he he's he's injured, and we must. Yes, he's also not that good. Yes, complicated. And Ezekiel Garay. Uh, just to reiterate, because we we always get somebody or other, and it's it's often me having forgotten. In fairness, um, saying that um, that Garay deserves more of a, a chance for the national team, but he has spoken to Sam Pauli and said that he's not fit enough at the moment. That he's playing one game and then missing the next one, and so he's probably not ready for the national team, particularly for the World Cup, where you're going to be playing a game every few days. Yeah. Um, and it's a shame. Herman Petzela is the other option who I think is in the squad. Yes. Um, yes. But he's sort of a wild card, I guess, as much as anything because of his age. But I mean, Amana, honestly, uh, yes. from what I've heard about but Fasio's recent form, I'd, I'd give Petzela a go, but I don't know. Petzela, Mamana, Musacchio, there are, there are yeah. names there. There are options coming through, but they're not at quite the same, the same level, or at least they're not used to playing at quite the same level. I don't know whether you could honestly say they're not defending at quite the same level themselves um, as but, the ones who are already there, so it's tricky. Yeah, at first, uh, Pareja was rumoured that he would be called up because he supposedly had him in Sevilla, but then uh, with Musacchio at first time and Mamana, Pesela, well, uh, and well, Fasio, who will apparently will be in the starting lineup against Russia, uh, I, think, I think that is... Uh, there's no room for another one. Mm. Uh, uh, waiting to see what happens with Funes Mori, even though he's injured, and uh, it's, it's hard for him to 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 be recovered and fit for 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 the World Cup. And well, he's not playing because of that; he's injured, so it's it's difficult. Yeah, um, obviously in the midfield, you could possibly mention Manuel Lanzini and Eric Lamela. Indeed, we have mentioned them quite a lot of times recently. Um, then on in this squad, I guess they will be hoping for a call-up for the friendlies in March um, if if they can maintain their fitness and their form. Lamela is not, hasn't been playing since uh, October 2016 because of the, all the injuries he yeah. had and the problem with his grand yeah, we, we mentioned last week yes. how he came back. Uh, sorry, last month, about a month ago, in fact, how he he'd come back to training at last, so he could be an inclusion. Yeah. Um, Lancini has been playing a little bit, at least I think, for West Ham more recently. Um, but after, if I remember rightly, a small period out with an injury as well, which kept him out of the, the September qualifiers, possibly. Um, so we shall see. But for me, they they should be options from midfield as well. Obviously, in Lamela's case, he's got rather more to prove. He, he was going to play, or he was going to be called up, and he he had the, that injury. You say mm. you were saying, right? Yeah, yeah. And that's what I seem to remember hearing at the time. Um, but yeah, the defense has to be for me. It's the main question mark because you can't attack and you can't press really high up the pitch unless you know that you can rely on what's going on behind you. Um, and so that is is the biggest yes. sticking point for Chile. San Paoli had some very pacey defenders who knew what they were doing. For Sevilla, same thing. For Universidad Católica, yeah, he was playing with the back four then, if I remember rightly. But he he played with three similar. Um, and for Argentina, he's got not an awful lot of pace to call up in that back three or back four. 
Um, and so it, it's going to be interesting to see how he does it. Obviously, Gabriel Mercado's injured. I think yes. injured, or for some reason he's not in the squad anyway. I'm sure he's injured. Um, so that that uh, gives him a chance, I guess, to look at. Hence, you know, yes, but but with three that. defenders, uh, three men defenders having Macharano, I think he's a risk. But uh, when he was at Chile with Sampoli, was uh, the coach of Chile also playing with three three men. There was there were Medel Jara and I don't remember the other one. It's perhaps Mena in the left. Eugenio Mena could be, hmm. uh, but yes, I think they were a bit faster than Macharano. Anyone is faster than Macharano, so yeah, precisely. Uh, Medel is faster. It's I think is uh, than Macharano. So uh, in this case, yes, could be a, a risk to play with Macharano, being not so fast in a, in a three men. We we have been talking about this, but yes, it's again the same situation. Yes, indeed. Uh, we will get on to listeners' questions, of which there are not very many because I only remember to ask for them on Twitter um, right before we started recording. I was hoping for some very verbose listeners' questions on Twitter. Now that those of us tweeting in languages other than Chinese, Japanese, or Korean have got 280 characters to do it in, um, unfortunately. None of you have decided to take that up that option. The questions this week are as follows. Siddharth Koya asks, can Sampaoli or any coach figure out winning a winning 11 that can go all the way with just mere months left for the World Cup? The answer to that one is yes. yes. Of course. Uh, it happened before. It, it, it's happened. I mean, you know, I'm not talking about 2014. In 2014, uh, Argentina had a very impressive side already all the way through the World Cup qualifiers. Um, but you know, look, the history of the World Cup is rife with teams who just barely scrape through qualifying and then go a very long way into it. Indeed, I don't think that Argentina are the favourites this time. Yeah. I think that quarters are a realistic aim. I think semis are an optimistic aim, depending on what kind of draw they get. Um, but once once you're there, anything can happen. And I do think that they're going to look more impressive than they have so far. Um, once Sam Pauli has had them together for it got confirmed today for some reason I don't know why people were so excited about it because we already knew it was the case anyway but for three weeks before the World Cup begins um, he will have the players to do what he wants with uh, yes yeah, so, as always it's no surprise that uh, during April and May will be key months months to, to, to see how the players are in, in the form if they are in good form or not well and also March because March is, is when he gets the yes. final round of the last one assumes two friendlies there's nothing been confirmed yet but Argentina will play two friendlies that month and that will be the last call up that he gets before having to actually confirm the squad um, so that's also a, a, a major month as it were but sorry I get your point which is that you have to see who's in form at the end of the season and and who's playing well who's not who's who's in decent fitness who's looking tired and so on um, which are all things that you would imagine get taken into consideration by World Cup managers I don't know because I've never actually managed a World Cup yes. team. Yeah, but uh, to summarize, it's yes, the defense, uh, the, perhaps the, the biggest uh, uh, question mark, and then in the the socio of, or or the supporter of Messi. Yes, precisely. Uh, if he can find those two things, then yeah, Argentina can go a long way because they have uh, one weapon at least that um, that none none of the other teams have got. Um, that's weapon in the positive sense. Um, that none of the other teams have got and that's Lionel Messi the best player in the world so yes Argentina can can do it and yes Sampaoli or, or indeed any other manager who might come in if something horrendous happens to Sampaoli uh, could very well find out a way um, 
of uh, find a team who can go all the way. Uh, the other two questions are both from Tom Robinson, who for some reason has sent them in two separate tweets, even though he's now got 280 characters. Tom, you're letting me down. I asked you for 280 characters questions. He's, his first one is, um, have seen Lisandro Magasham linked to a couple of European clubs. Is he actually any good? My response to that is that it depends which European clubs you've seen him linked to. Um, I think that he has been a beneficiary of, of Boca's general, very organised um, defensive play and of their, this season in particular, their dominance of possession and, and their forward-looking attitude as much as anything. I, I'm not convinced by him as a defender, personally. Yes, uh, in, in a team he, that receives a lot of, atta- of attacks, I think it's very changing uh, because now right now Boca is goal-scoring, uh, and not not conceding mm. a, a lot of goals and not receiving uh, too much too many attacks. So yes, any any defender uh, in this case is goals and Magashan uh, could be comfortable in this. He's he's one of those where he he's decent at the Argentine level. He's poss- he's very possibly decent at the South American level. We might find out if he stays at Boca um, next year for the Copa Libertadores. If uh, I mean obviously it's not going to happen because he's at Boca. But if he were at any other club and River were linked with him I wouldn't be disappointed if River signed him um, but as a Manchester United fan if Manchester United signed him I'd be thinking oh god what are they doing <laughs> what, why I, we could compare him with another Argentinian who is not playing here he's playing for one of the finalists of the Copa Libertadores for example some, a former San Lorenzo defender Walter Kahneman mm. who yes, is the Gremio um, yes. defender now yeah who is if, if he if, if he's if Gremio becomes champions of the Copa Libertadores, he could easily be transferred to Europe because he will be champions of the Copa Libertadores. Uh, he's a, perhaps a decent level. I, we can't, uh, we don't know whether he will be good for a big club in Europe, but he's good and good at, at Gremio. He'd be a two-time champion, in fact, wouldn't he? Wasn't he at San Lorenzo when they won it? Or am I imagining that? No, I, don't, I think he had already left. Think? I think, but I don't know. I'm not sure. I'm going to look this up. Hopefully his Wikipedia loads quickly enough. He was San Lorenzo 2010 to 2014. Oh, okay. He could have won. What, depending on what time of year he left in 2014. He was at San Lorenzo. Yep. No, oh. he was there, yeah. So he'd oh, be okay. a two-time Libertadores winner oh, if, uh, if he wins it with Gremio. Um, and Tom's other question was why are Super Clásicos getting more entertaining I make that three in a row that have been really good now um, I, I, I don't think that Sunday's was as good as either of last season's personally for me last season's just to remind people were two both of them were away wins as well just like this one in fact um, I'm not sure why it is I don't know something's happened a switch something has clicked um whether it's a, a combination of River being particularly forward-looking and also uh, Guillermo Barrosecolotto's preferred um, approach being attack, even if it took him a while to get there when he first became Boca manager, um, I think, yeah, m- maybe it's just a happy coincidence of the fact that you've got two yes. managers who are very much prefer that and relatively young, relatively new, don't feel the pressure as much. Both did enough as players to... Uh, for their clubs to to be able to feel you know a little less pressure as well. Yes, but for these matches, I don't think there is a 
an exact or, or good explanation why the match are the matches are good or bad or or or, or, or good to see or to watch and mm. or, or, or or boring. Uh, it, it is luckily there were three consecutive entertaining matches, which is good for Argentine football to sell it uh, abroad, uh, comparing it or, or the opposite to the to Tampa Defensa Justicia in prime time for Europe and. Well, it's not a, 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 they are not very known clubs, but uh, it's luckily there were three consecutive good matches or entertaining matches, which doesn't seem doesn't mean good or well played matches, but at least for the point of view of the supporter, they were good. Yeah, and so I think you're right. I think coincidence is probably the answer, if we're being completely honest. It's just good good fortune as much as anything. Um, but if anybody, if any other listeners have any. Um, Theories as to why this might be, please tweet them in for next month, for next week's episode. Yes. Do remind us what it will be because by this time next week I'll have completely forgotten that Tom's asked this question and therefore if you just tweet it I'm not going to remember. Um, so, you know, tell us that the reason I think Super Classicals are more entertaining is because you've got enough characters to do that in now on Twitter. Um, that's it. We're done for the week. We can put our feet up. Well, you can put your feet up. Forget about it. I've got to, to edit the thing first and then upload it. Um, but, yes, this is it. This is Underpod for the week. There are no mystical predictions because there are no league matches this coming weekend in the Superliga and we're not going to bother predicting. Only Copa Argentina, but we, we both think yeah. River will pass. I suspect that River will scrape through somehow. Yes. And we're not going to bother predicting the Argentina games because they're friendlies. And I've no idea as well. The other thing with doing this is that I, I like doing it during the World Cup qualifiers because we have an idea how good the op- the opponents are. I have no idea how good Russia and Nigeria are. I have a fleeting suspicion that neither of them are quite as good as Argentina if Argentina are playing well. Mm. But then if Argentina are playing well... We want to also preview the European playoffs of the qualifiers because Croatia and Greece, I don't think that are of our interest... And also Northern Ireland against Denmark? Yes, well done. Denmark versus Northern Ireland is the Saturday um, afternoon one. And then the second leg's going to be on Tuesday, I think it is, yeah. But no, we're not going to preview that. However, you have just reminded me of one last question that we've got from Texas Soccer Journal, who asked, he said, great podcast this week, thank you very much. And he says, wondering about your thoughts on the UEFA Nations League and whether something like this would also be good for the Americas. I'm fleshing that out a bit because he actually sent this question a couple of days ago before the 280 character limit was oh. was put in on Twitter. Um, but uh, I, I, yeah, I think it's very confusing. I, I, I want to see the UEFA Nations League in action before I can give an honest opinion on it. I'm not at all sure about the idea of giving the, um, if I've read it properly, the, the C divisions um, winners and the D divisions winners places in the Euros... That seems a bit bizarre, uh, given that by definition they're not going to be as good as some of the teams further up who don't get in. Um, but something for the Americas like this, I mean, as long as it's not going to go into continental qualification and could just maybe replace international friendlies, maybe. I think it would be far more worthwhile for the, the small and medium-sized um, Caribbean nations than it would be for countries like Argentina and Brazil and the United States and Mexico. Um because it's going to get them, you know, those smaller nations are going to get them more frequent, higher quality opposition. Um, but we'll see. I did see a headline earlier today. It was on a website that I 
um, one of these sort of bizarre websites that you're never quite sure whether it's just a spam site or a, a click farming or whatever. Uh, but I saw a headline suggesting somewhere that FIFA had been talking about the idea of coming up with a global version of it, and I think that would be a very interesting idea. Um, but it depends. And it depends on who's going to be financing it then, because if you're going to have completely unrestricted global uh, leagues where, I don't know, Argentina might be in the same division as the Solomon Islands or something, who's going to pay? I mean, Argentina's FA could afford the the, the the travel costs, but who's going to pay the Solomon Islands to come here to Buenos Aires? Is that going to be FIFA? Are the Solomon Islands going to have to pay their own travel expenses or whatnot? Um, I, I think it's a more interesting question for a globalised Nations League than for the Americas specifically or even for Europe specifically because it could be good fun um, but ultimately I want to see the European version in action before I can really give an opinion because it just confuses me at the moment yes. I don't know whether you've heard about it Andres even but. I know only also very little but uh, as I think that as almost always competitions is first in Europe to, to test and to see whether it works and then to try to uh, work it with other other continents or or Europe, America South America, but yes, uh, I think it would be good to see how it works in Europe first. Yeah, so in, in short, it's very generous of UEFA to uh, volunteer to be guinea pigs for their own idea. Basically, yeah. <laughs> that is it for this week. We will see you next week where we'll be celebrating seven years if if we actually get around to recording next week. Uh, when we'll be celebrating seven years of um, being the internet's best and also worst English-language Argentine football podcast, and hopefully looking back over two much-improved Argentina performances. But we'll have to wait and see about that. Um, For now, it's goodbye from Andres. Goodbye, thank you. And goodbye from me. Goodbye. (laughs)